0: Welcome one and all to the Film
1: Harmonic with your hosts Noah East. And Andy Ferguson. In episode 47, we will review the new film from Scott Teams, starring Michael Shannon and Shea Wiggum, titled The Quarry. And in our Pick 6 segment, we will be ranking the six best drug-related films of all time.
0: Leading us into the throwback challenge to close out the show, in which we chose another film that neither of us had seen before, courtesy of the Criterion Channel, Norman Jewison's 1967 classic and best picture winner, In the Heat of the Night. So, Andy... Are you ready to get things cooking?
1: I'm in the kitchen. Let's go. <laughs> you, you're literally in the kitchen. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm ready to, to cook. Let's get cooking. <laughs>
0: We will begin this week with a new film from director Scott Teams, whose previous film That Evening Sun and the television series Rectify are both highly regarded by my co-host here. It's a crime thriller starring Shea Wiggum and Michael Shannon. Let's discuss the Quarry. The Quarry. So uh, let's let's go right out of the gate. Andy, give us the best synopsis you can of what
1: The Quarry is about, story-wise. It's fairly simple. Um, it's really just about a drifter who is kind of a... We don't even really know him by anything other than sinner or eventually an, 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 an imposter, almost. Like, <laughs> But um, he Shea Wiggum plays a... Troubled dude who is just on the run from something. And um, he runs into a, a a fellow who's traveling to a town to uh, be the new local priest. Um, and uh, the, the film opens with a fairly lengthy meeting and conversation between those two. Fair to say, no spoilers, that things don't necessarily go so well for one of those characters and Shea Wiggum ends up in this local Texas town and um, kind of stumbles into the role of the preacher for this town and he has really no choice but to roll with it that way um, he's, uh, he's, he's left the body of this person behind and um hoping that no one uncovers it and comes looking for him um and then that's what this movie is really about and his interactions with the townsfolk and specifically a couple of people in the town um, who are also linked together um one of them one of them is uh the local sheriff played by michael shannon and a woman who is a widow played by Catalina Sandina Marino, um, who I had not seen in anything for so long, but I remember seeing her, like her first performance like 15 years ago in Maria Full of Grace. Um, And I thought she was very good in that. And I think she's perfectly cast in this. Um, There is kind of a weird triangle that happens between those three characters. And... um, this is basically what it's about it's 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 about uh you know uh it's it's a bit about immigration it's a bit about you know kind of the border issues um and it's really though just a southern kind of crime drama and uh it, it is kind of a tailor-made for both of these guys up front um can't really imagine you e- anyone doing these roles better than these two guys um question is how well rounded is this story and how how involving are these characters how how invested are we in these characters and um You know, I don't know. Uh, Your mileage, might. my mileage, I got more out of it because of how much I was already invested in this uh, writer-director, as you mentioned. Um, Scott Teams is someone who I appreciate for his knowledge of the Southern kind of aesthetic and... um, I like the way he, uh, everything pretty much looks, has an authenticity to it, the way he presents his characters and his stories. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I was already going to be pretty much in on this, but um, as far as the overall execution of this movie, I can't say I was as invested as I really wanted to be. Um there's something a little off about this movie. Um tone-wise and 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 kind of the pace of it uh that I got to say I wasn't totally on board with.
0: Yeah, it's it, it 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 earns marks for like being sweaty and grimy and gritty and like feeling really authentic. Um, and those two lead performances right out of the gate are just phenomenal. They're both, they're both really fantastic in it. Um, it, it, but like you said, it, it, man, I get the feeling that like this thing had so much to say and, and like so little bones on it still at the same time. Like there's not a whole lot that happens in the film, but he also seems like he has so much that he wants to say and uh within those margins that he just i don't know he doesn't seem to there's a lot of wheel spinning and not a whole lot
1: of going anywhere yeah i agree um it's uh and there's really even when it gets to a climax and gets to a payoff or for lack of a better word it just doesn't feel like there's any weight to it almost it's very odd um when you get to the overall outcome for shea wiggum's character uh it just it kind of falls flat
0: i think it ends very abruptly but there are several scenes that are very good you know, and there are places that the story does go that I was really invested in. It's just it kind of ends rather abruptly and it's not a very satisfying ending either.
1: No, it, it, yeah, it definitely doesn't deliver in the end. Um, Shea Wiggum is outstanding in this movie. Um, there is a despair in his eyes and he looks like he's been battered and he's frail these days. He looks,
0: he just yeah, He looks skinnier now than he did in his 20s.
1: Yeah, he's he has slimmed down to say the least, um, and he's starting to age in a way where he's his face facial expressions are even more intriguing, um, and then Michael Shannon brings a so much to a character that is so uh, cliche in a lot of ways um, but he actually twists the character in interesting ways um, the relationship he has with, with the the woman mentioned before, that goes in different ways and it's nice it's a little bit fresh um, he's not just the oh, small town sheriff look, looking to find out what's going on kind of character, he is but the way he plays the character it, it brings more to it. So I give it an extra bump for that. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I appreciate what teams is trying to do. Uh, and, uh, I, I really respect his style. He doesn't get fancy at all. Everything looks very framed and everything. It looks like the vision he wanted, but I just, ah, there's something about it. It's just not entirely engaging
0: this movie. So what are you going to end up giving it?
1: Um, I, I think, you know, I'm gonna to have to go with I'm gonna go with a three. I was very tempted to go two and a half because it is a very unsatisfying conclusion, but I I, I don't think I could say I dislike this movie. I like enough of it.
0: Yeah, I was gonna go three and a half, but ultimately, you know, I landed with you at the at the three mark. You know, and that's the the performances are fantastic. It
1: just it's kind of a letdown at the end. It is. Yes. Um his previous film that evening sun is uh has similar ambitions but it achieves them much much more, I think. So if you thought this movie was appealing but didn't really get there, I would recommend seeing that movie um for sure. Um but obviously the best thing he's ever worked on is Rectify and that's a high bar, but uh I'm glad I watched it.
0: Well, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, Andy and I will tackle the task of ranking the six best drug-related films of all time. Stick around, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. Uh We're back, ready for round two. Welcome back to the show. Our pick six this week is purely coincidental as we are recording this on a holiday for some folks. It is 420, but we didn't realize it would be that date when we decided we were going to rank the six best drug related films of all time. We just thought it sounded fun. So everything is on the table from stoner comedies to cocaine drug cartel movies. If it's about drugs, it's fair game. So let's dig in starting with you, Andy. What do you have at number six?
1: okay number six for me is a movie that i never thought would make this list but alas when i was looking at my options i really wanted to place this somewhere on here so my number six is bad lieutenant port of call new orleans the Werner herzog nicholas cage wacko insane drug trip of a movie um it's, uh, this movie's, I mean, this, Herzog really taps into, better than most even, a lot of directors have tried to tap into the cage, but, uh, he really gets him going here, and, uh, there is no limits to where he goes in this movie, and it's something to watch, if you're a fan of Cage, This should be one of your favorite cage performances because the dude takes every drug imaginable in this movie. He starts to see iguanas talk to him. He takes liberties with his um, status as a police officer. He almost molest someone right in front of <laughs> her boyfriend while he snorts coke off of her and there's so many crazy things that go on in this movie you get uh, Val Kilmer as his partner who is just turning into the bloated Val Kilmer stage and everything just is those two together just it's just unleashed and it's just crazy it's crazy to think that this is a Werner Herzog movie when you watch it um, but his stamp is all over it uh, it's just a another reason why he's one of the most interesting filmmakers because there's really nothing he doesn't want to try <laughs> and whenever he breaks free from documentaries and makes a movie like this it's like whoa out a left field kind of thing um, so I think this is just a crazy trip of a movie that had to be on my list. See I've still never seen this but I've heard lots of stories about it you know it's wild man it's wild. You probably should see it sometime. That is a wild one.
0: My number six is um, was a first-time watch for me, and that was um, the breakout film for the Safty brothers, Heaven Knows What. Okay. Um, man... Uh, much like a lot of films on, on, uh, that we watched uh, this past week, this is
1: super depressing. Oh, yes. It's their most depressing movie, I think.
0: Oh, far and away. This is monumentally depressing. And um, uh, early on in it, I thought, this is definitely not going to be on Andy's list because Caleb Landry Jones plays such a large role in it, and, uh, and, and you can't stand the guy. <laughs>
1: i really can't yeah um and he is very prominent in this movie and in a very caleb landry jones way that irritates me
0: (laughs) yeah um but uh, ariel holmes who um plays a fictionalized version of herself in this and this is based on her like her memoirs basically um she's the anchor here and boy, is she good. Like, uh, I mean, how could she not be, I guess, because she lived it. But um, you're, you kind of just hang on to her through this whole, her performance through this whole film. And what you get coming out the other end is pretty remarkable. Um, I was pretty blown away by this in, in a really depressing way, though. Like, um, it might be the most depressing film on my list.
1: It might be if if there's not a, if there's not an Aronofsky movie on your list, we'll see. Yeah, well, I, well, uh, it
0: also depends. It also depends on which you think is more depressing. But I guess, but, yeah, yeah um so moving on what is number five on your list
1: number five on my list is a rewatch i hadn't seen this movie in a long time always really liked it and i still like it just about the same i really really like this movie and that's gus van sant's drugstore cowboy um this was pretty early on in his career this might have been the first kind of like movie that got really noticed from him um And I think it's far and away the best Matt Dillon performance. And I know there's not a lot of great Matt Dillon performances, depending on how much you like him. (laughs) But, um, man, he really gets something out of him here. Uh, This movie is simply about a gang of 20-somethings who basically just rob pharmacies and are obsessed with pills of any kind um they're obsessed with every drug but their drug of choice is just prescription medication and um the gang is matt Dillon and kelly lynch as a married couple and james lagrose and a 19 year old heather graham uh she looks like a i mean she looks even younger than 19 in this movie she's extraordinarily young um yeah, and then you have James Remar as a cop that oh, wow. is on their tail, and all I could think of was, you know, of course, illegal! <laughs> That's all I could think of while watching this. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's basically the same character, but later on in life, he becomes that character in Pineapple Express. <laughs> um, it's uh, it, it doesn't romanticize the lifestyle. It just shows it, and Gus Van Sant does some pretty, like, Almost there's a very dreamlike quality to some of the sequences and you're in Matt Dillon's character's head with a narration and it's just plainly spoken. It's it's not trying to say this is terrible or it's great. It's just showing you the lifestyle. And it's a very good film. So that is my number five what well, that's is yours.
0: Two, that's two films in a row from you that i've not seen so we we have some very interesting lists
1: going on so far pretty sure you've seen every one of my other picks
0: okay uh, number five for me is uh denny villeneuve's sicario um i i maintain that this is one of the best action films of the last 15 20 years and um I think a lot of that is because there's not a ton of action in it. Like there's, uh, there are very few action films that have been, that have been made recently that, um, are shot by a guy, um, that is as, as talented as Denis Villeneuve is. and, And especially shot as shot by a guy that's as talented as Roger Deakins is. Um, and so the look of the film goes a long, long way. Um, But I still think Emily Blunt is really fantastic in this film. Benicio Del Toro is really menacing. You can tell Josh Brolin's having a ton of fun. But this is Emily Blunt's movie the whole way through, and she surprisingly is really up for the task
1: she's uh i'm not sure if she's been better in anything Um, i don't think she has i think she's she has a really challenging role um there's a lot she gets put through the ringer in this movie and you can see it on her face um and there is a scene that she has with um john bernthal in this Mm -hmm. movie that is really powerful um yeah uh, yeah, um, I think this is a... You say there's not a lot of action, but the whole thing has tension every step of the way. Oh, big time. Um, and I do think it very much works as a modern action film. Um, I I had a recent rewatch. I didn't love it as much as I used to, but I still really like this movie as well. All right, well, we're at number four. What do you have on your list? See, I I think you've seen this. I think us as a group watched this years and years ago maybe around the time it was released and I'm pretty sure this is one of those movies where we were all around for it when we were watching it and that's Greg Araki's Smiley Face okay all um um, I rewatched it (laughs) and found that I was still blown away at how funny Anna Faris is in this movie um she doesn't even say a whole lot on this movie because she's too fucked up to say <laughs> most anything, <Yeah. laughs> but her facial expressions and her clumsiness and her trying to organize plans in her head throughout the day is just a, it's fun. And Greg Araki's direction is, um, it's, it, he has his own unique style. Um, you know, when it's a Greg Araki movie, it, It moves around like crazy. The editing's all over the place in a good way. Um, And then the supporting cast. There's a ton of awesome people in this movie. I'd forgotten that there is uh, really funny performances from Danny Masterson and Adam Brody as a dreadlocked drug dealer and and John Krasinski as the weirdo who's obsessed with her. (laughs) There's a whole sequence in this movie where it shows a, like a flashback of why he has a crush on her and it's just him walking into her apartment five or six times and every time she's in sweatpants getting high on her couch and he just looks at her in awe like oh i'm so in love with her and she's eating chips and one of chips all over her face oh my she's so i'm in love with her for no reason um john Cho, danny trejo all sorts of fun people in this movie um but yeah, it's it's still so much fun. Um I think you're starting to see a trend where a lot of my movies are the non depressing ones. <laughs> um, yeah, I am. I'm starting
0: to see that quite a
1: bit. I was a little surprised myself, but that's number four for me. Um
0: it's I, I'm gonna keep going down the depressing tunnel. Um and we're gonna go with uh at number four I have Requiem for a Dream.
1: Yeah, I knew it was gonna be on here somewhere.
0: Well, it kind of has to be, unfortunately. Um, that it it is a really good film. It, it it is a really good film. It's just really, really bleak, and Aronofsky indulges a little too much at times. Oh yeah. But I but I you I, I I used this as my like popular pick over say Train Spotting because I think that Aronofsky isn't quite as self indulgent as
1: Boyle is well but there's a method that he he uses that as a tool because he's really trying to literally put you inside the the user i mean you're supposed to be a part you're supposed to be a user and as you watch this movie and i think he accomplishes that
0: and that that's what i think he gets extra credit for you know um uh 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 Roger Ebert said something about this film once where I'm going to paraphrase, but he said something like the, it opens a window into uh, an addict's world. And then much like kind of like the, the smoke, it it just kind of like goes out the window and you just kind of drift on out with it. And it does feel kind of like woozy and breezy at at times like that, you
1: know? Yeah, I think so. I agree. Um, I will say though, um, it's not going to make my list. And part of that is because of how often on the Jared Leto performance is in this movie. I think he has struggles with a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. Um, he can be good in this at times. And then there's other times where it's like, oof. there are times in the film where it's the best he's ever been yeah but then it's just contradicting himself throughout the whole movie though um marlon wayans is just fine he's fine but the real strong performances are by the women in this movie oh big time
0: yeah it's man what happens to ellen Bernstein is is
1: so tragic i mean it's it's it is so dark and depressing god damn you shoot him or gavin he really (laughs) fucks with her in this movie um, so
0: as bleak as it is, um, I, I I couldn't leave it off the list. So
1: I don't blame you. I don't blame you. All right, we are at we're giving out medals now, right? We are indeed doing. giving out medals. All right, and so
0: I I am uh, I am giddy with anticipation for what you have in your top
1: three. Okay, let's go right to it. My number three. Well, every one of these movies is a five-star film from this point on for me. I think they're okay. perfect movies in their own way. Okay. Uh, number three for me is David Gordon Green's Pineapple Express. Um, had to be on the list somewhere. Um, question was, was it going to be one? Was it going to be three? Was it going to be five? Anywhere it could have been. And I have it just behind these other two movies. Um We've probably talked about this movie on this podcast before. Yes, of course. We reference it constantly. Um, what more can you say? It's the perfect comedy. It is the it is the height of the Rogan era, Rogan-Apatel production era. Um, this came hot on the heels of Superbad and Knocked Up. I think it's a step above those even. Um, people could argue that, but it just brought david gordon green and dana mcbride into the world and uh, man did they just knock it out of the park i think that was the extra thing this world needed was those two guys involved <laughs> involved in this um, yeah and it's endlessly quotable uh, i've seen it it's probably in the top 10 of the most times of in the top 10 movies i've seen most yeah um, i've probably seen it 25 times times at this point at least um and it's it's got f- really thrilling action scenes too um they're absurd but that's the point point. and uh it's just it is a flawless comedy
0: it is yeah it really is it really is uh number three on my list is a film that i texted you over the weekend and said you better watch this before you make your list um i had already made my list of the best films of the year or uh, last year when when i um before i had seen this um and uh, uh i wish i hadn't because this would have made my top 10 of the year last year and that is pedro almodovar's
1: pain and glory so you like it that much huh oh it's very good I still it's haven't a, seen it. I did not watch it.
0: Oh man, it is so very, very good. Um, and so we've talked about this before when we when we did our Oscars uh, um, episode. I had seen it by then, and so we did talk about it a little bit. How unbelievable uh, Banderas is is in it, um, and he. Oof, it, I mean, it's it, it is very bleak at times because he's a he is a heroin addict, um, and he's trying to make his comeback while in the middle of an addiction um that he just uh, apparently seems to have accidentally picked up you know um while still uh um reconnecting with past lovers of his and um it's a beautiful film um there there are several like uh, um like I don't want to say animated but they're kind of animated um there are a few animated like little breaks in between where he's discussing something Um, like he, he discusses the, the, these headaches that he's been having and Mm -hmm. going to the doctor and trying to figure out what's wrong with him, And it's all like these, it kind of looks like, um, uh, uh, like videos that you would watch in school in like the eight seventies or eighties, you know, that are like breaking down something scientific for you. Um, it it kind of looks like that only it's really, uh, colorful and like just El Motivar you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean he
1: uses color better than most. I yeah, think. It, it's
0: it's a really gorgeous film with a with a couple of tremendous performances in it. Chief among them being Antonio Banderas. There was a there was a real reason he was nominated last year for best actor. Um, and it's because this is among the best he's ever, ever been. This movie will, will break your heart. You should watch it.
1: Uh, I'm definitely going to see it. This is one of the regrets I had from last year, not seeing that movie. Um, I'm a big fan of Almodovar, so I'll get around to this soon, for sure.
0: Yeah, that is number three on my list. That's how good it is. What's what's uh, What are you handing out
1: silver to? Silver for me is um, a... Maybe the only movie on this list I think that is, I would consider it iconic. I think it's, you know, it's like Requiem for You. My, this is the one on my list that would probably be on most lists as well. And that's Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused. Um, it had to be on my list. I think it's uh, just really, a really important movie in his timeline. This was the first time. The, the world took notice at one of the best filmmakers of the last 25 years um but yeah i mean it's it takes a simple premise and a and a concept that's been used a ton of times the end of high school 24 hour period one day kind of movie but really weaves in just so much so many fun like roles for these actors ben affleck is is never been funnier than he is in this he's despisable in this movie in a great way um, of course he let Matthew McConaughey run run for it and that's become you know a quotable character over the last three decades um, he was famously only in a Miller Lite ad before this movie and then this <laughs> happened um, there's a ton of fun performances in this movie but really what works is the Pacing of it, the writing from Linklater, um, the casting of actual—I mean, a lot of these kids look like most of them look like high schoolers. Um, I, I, you could argue that Cole Hauser looks thirty-eight, or you know, but <laughs> that's about it. Um, and Ben Affleck looks older, but he's supposed to be older because he's pathetic. Um, uh, It's—I mean, it's Daisy confused, man. It's. You know, some people think it's way overrated. I think it's a truly great American comedy.
0: Yeah, yeah, those people are wrong. It's a, it's a fantastic
1: movie. I, I I don't have it on
0: my list only because in in the end I felt that it wasn't enough about drugs. I felt like it was more about like the the end of senior year and like a party i don't or, know or man partying but I, I didn't feel personally like it, it was enough about drugs for me to put it on my list and that's why i almost left sicario off but i was like it's still about drugs but i'm not gonna put it super high because it's not enough about drugs for me to put it in the top three you know what i mean and that's that's where i landed with days and confused but i totally understand why it's on your list and and i'm not nothing wrong with it it's, a, it's getting a silver medal. It is getting a silver medal. You're right. What's getting silver Uh, for you? uh, This was another first-time watch, and I think that this is intrinsically, possibly the most about drugs of anything on my list, and that's Steven Soderbergh's traffic.
1: I had a feeling you were involved in this movie when you were sending tons of messages while watching it, um, listing off the ensemble. (laughs) Yeah, I I was very much into this movie.
0: I am... I'm very happy I finally got through it. I'm shocked um, that you've not seen
1: this until now. I really am.
0: Yeah, I know. But I'm so glad I did. And I'm almost glad that I saw it now, at, at, you know, in my at my current age, because I definitely would have, wouldn't have been able to appreciate it in 2000. Um, I probably would barely have been able to appreciate it in like 2009 or something. You know what I mean? I don't um, know. I don't know maybe not not the way i can appreciate it now and i think what soderberg does is phenomenal he's weaving all of these stories and characters not necessarily together but kind of together at times and uh, by the end they're very much have ended up being woven together more than you thought um but there's so many great performances throughout this whole thing and how he keeps them all um uh, uh, the, he keeps them all very interesting. Um, and you never find that you're like, oh, well, this one, I don't, I'm bored with that, you know, or yeah, that's cool, but this is the main story. No, they they each get their own weight to them. <laughs> He's the and master each, of that, and they each get ter- terrific performances from at least one or more people in each subplot that you stick to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Douglas and and Michael Douglas is so good in this movie, man, um, and Eric christensen is shockingly great in she's it excellent in this film yeah and then but Catherine zeta jones might never have been better than this i, like, I think she she's fantastic I, yes benicio del toro is on another friggin' level in this thing and and i love um both guzman and cheetel in this uh, Yeah, I, the,
1: I, their I, plot i love their storyline C- too cheetel yeah. gets
0: a lot more uh to do but Guzman is so lovely, understated, um, which he usually is like he's that, that they Soderbergh uses him to the peak of his abilities.
1: Guzman being, and Cheadle were both in out of sight as well.
0: He, come on, Guzman is so um, relatable in this movie.
1: He's a great... Yeah, he's he's always underused, and at least Soderbergh gives him more to work with than most have. Um... Yeah, this is uh this is quite a movie. Um I've always really really liked it. I used to actually reviewed this in the Frankton High School paper in 2000 really? in in January of 2001, yes.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, another thing I want to say real quick is the the color choices and the way he chooses to film like the Mexico Scenes are extra grainy and sepia tone, but it's also grainy. Like the film quality isn't as nice as when he's in San Diego shooting Catherine Zeta Jones, or when he's in Cincinnati and everything is blue with all the Michael Douglas stuff. You know, like that's a little grainier even than the San Diego stuff. But but you know, it's it, there. I I can see how it, at. At the time, it might have been considered a gimmick, and at other times, especially nowadays, it probably looks like uh, it's hard to watch because it's not, you know, in HD or whatever. But um, I I thought it was a brilliant choice of directing.
1: I mean, he was on, I mean, he's always been on another level, but this was like the time when he was just churning out greatness left and right. I mean, you had Out of Sight, you had, in this year, he had Aaron Brockovich and Traffic in the same year, mm-hmm. and then he had Ocean's Eleven right after that. And he he can do anything he wants, any genre, and he can just seem like he's doing it with effortlessly. And you know there's a ton of hard work, being put into it but man like i said before he's just one of the if not the coolest filmmaker america has
0: well i have a guess at what your number one is yeah you would would be right and i think you already know what mine is
1: Yeah, of course, I know what yours is. Um, And you probably are right if you guessed um, Glenn Gordon Caron's Clean and Sober for mine. Um, The film from 1988 that I've just always personally considered one of my favorite movies. Um, Not just one of the all-timer performances in it by Michael Keaton. But I think the movie as a whole, um, sometimes I don't give the movie enough credit. Um, a lot of times early on, especially when I saw it a couple of times early on, I just kind of just saw it as the showcase for Keaton as a just guy spiraling out of control, a once prominent businessman who was ruining his life with, Drugs, alcohol, anything he can get his hands on. But um, the rehabilitation of him and his life in this movie, the process of it, the way it's paced, um, and I think is really admirable. And I think it's a truly great piece of work. Um, and uh, Kathy Baker, Morgan Freeman, M. Emmett Walsh, all in this movie play different uh, characters at different points in daryl pointer's life but uh it is the ultimate michael keaton performance and it is um i am blown away every time i see it i'm in awe of him in this movie
0: Uh, yeah he's unbelievable in it uh um kathy baker is almost as good as he is in it she's Um, excellent in it and it's so fun to watch young morgan freeman like that like morgan freeman was so cool you know what i mean he's so cool in this movie
1: i like him quite a bit in it yes
0: yeah um yeah what a, what a fantastic movie I, I i it just barely didn't make my list and mostly because i didn't re-watch it and i didn't want i didn't feel comfortable talking so much about it without having seen it again um i, I swear to god i did not intend for this to be my number one but after watching everything, I, you know, I realized there's only one of these films that I consider to be a perfect film, uh, to be five stars. Um, if I was making a, uh, I, I think it's the greatest comedy of the last 20 years. Um, and if I was making the best films of the last 20 years, it would probably make the top 20. Um, it probably would be, you know, 18 or 19, but it would make my list of the best films of the last 20 you know 20 years i think pineapple express is one of the it's one of the best movies i've ever seen because it is immensely funny um with really great comedic lead performances but the writing is so good not just the jokes but like keeping you invested in the story and where it goes and watching these these guys just go on this crazy journey um the action scenes are legitimately compelling like you said they're a little absurd at times but that's the point point. and they're gritty action scenes honestly for the most part and just the the camaraderie between rogan and franco this was the absolute peak of that it didn't get any better than this yeah absolutely and this and this is the film that in a very big way though it wasn't his intro film it wasn't his first his debut or anything this was america's big debut for danny mcbride this is the film that gave us danny mcbride on a large scale and i think we're all much 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 better for for it Um, having been in our lives i can't imagine a world in which we don't have danny mcbride i think he's one of the one of the funniest most genius comedians of the century um and um i i love this film more than i probably should i i i just kept going over the list thinking i where do i put it where do i where can i put it i was like no but it's better than that movie No, it's better than that movie. I can't put it beneath that movie. And so that's how it ended up in number one.
1: I had a feeling it would be, and honestly, I had a feeling it would have been on mine as well that high, but very, very close between my top three. So it's almost a three-way tie. Uh,
0: I I also do, this is, you know, there are a lot of, pick sixes that we do and it's like okay we're done i don't feel like i i need to list some honorable mentions but i really want to shout out a few of these um half nelson i assume for both of us was pretty damn close to making the list right
1: um i i watched it again a few months ago i think it is a truly great performance the movie i don't love yeah that's where i landed on it as well um,
0: I, I had my first time watch of Train Spotting, mm-hmm. um, and I almost it almost made the list. But um, man, Danny Boyle just can't help but step on his own fingers sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, there there are four or five scenes in Train Spotting that I think, holy cow, that is fantastic. But then there are you know five or six where I'm just like Boyle, what are you doing, man? Like get, get out of your own way.
1: Always, always. You know, what's funny is a little note here. You had two Benicio del Toro movies on your list and neither one of them was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I also, um, my number seven would have been a a movie that I wasn't sure if you were going to watch or not. That is Gaspar Noé's Climax. Have you seen this yet?
1: No, I don't really have an interest. It is it is that shit man
0: but it is it is brilliant um it looks incredible and like he does like one of the takes in this in this movie is 42 minutes long just one take um it's it is a feat of directing and choreography and this thing descends into crazy scary madness um the, the movie is insane uh if if you're listening to this episode just because you like drug drug movies check out climax it's nuts um any was there anything else that you wanted to 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 at least mention
1: yeah number seven on my list would have been larry clark's kind of lesser known movie that he made between kids and bully called another day in paradise and that was the movie that kind of uh, vincent carthizer was very young was very early in his career Nica- natasha grigson wagner that's a throwback name. She She's she's the main star with him in this movie. And then it's a uh, kind of a vehicle for James Woods and Melanie Griffith as well. Um, just a crazy kind of uh, road drug road movie um, about a couple of older criminals taking a couple of younger criminals under their wing. And things just don't go well. And, and, it's, and it's done in a very Larry Clark way. Where it's really kind of uncomfortable, but he keeps things entertaining enough and you're invested in the people enough. But he's just got this way of being nasty and disgusting. Yep. And uh, you can only watch his movies. I got to take some time away from him after I see one of his movies. You know, he's (laughs) so weirdo. He really is. But I was I almost had it on my list
0: well well uh man what a trip no no pun intended i swear i did i didn't mean that (laughs) um we've we've you know what let's move on we've we've come to uh the throwback challenge this time on the show we chose um norman jewison's in the heat of the night from 1967 this one best picture it beat out the graduate and bonnie and clyde for best picture that year um and uh rod steiger um, one best actor for it. Um, no mention though of Sidney Poitier, who's the real star of the film, if you ask me. Um, so, uh, I I was pretty surprised that neither of us had seen this. Yeah. Um, the, my mother remembers seeing this in the theater. I believe she told me, um, this was a, this was a, a, very interesting first time watch. Um, so there's a murder in small town, Mississippi, Sparta, Mississippi. Um, and, uh, it just so happens that while the police are investigating this murder, um, Sidney Poitier's character, Virgil, uh, Riggs, Virgil Riggs, is that his name? Tibbs. Tibbs. Virgil Virgil Tibbs. you got lethal it, uh, weapon on the mind. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Um, Vir- Virgil Tibbs, he is a detective in philadelphia um but uh, he was down there visiting his grand his mother when the murder happened and now the cops need his help to solve the crime and, but very begrudgingly and reluctantly because they're all racist as hell
1: yeah so he has to go through being a suspect initially <laughs> right yes. off the bat of course <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, a, uh, I don't know how much this subject matter was really in Hollywood before this. It does seem pretty progressive for the time. Um, yeah. Um, Steiger plays the super gum chomper chief of police. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gillespie. <laughs> and, um, man, the, I mean, he chews more gum faster than Clint Hurdle in this. Um, <laughs> it it <laughs> he's uh he's really invested in this role i can see why the academy liked this showy performance um yeah he does he does he, he's a he's a little more nuanced later on than you'd expect um
0: yeah yeah but, and, and that's because the writing allows him to be sure uh-huh. but but um there are certain scenes later on in the film where he is excellent in them
1: absolutely um, it's specifically a, a scene very late with poitier um but I think far and away, Virgil Tibbs is the most interesting character, and the performance by Poitier is is it, it, it's it, it draws you in. Just his gaze, his stare, and that reaction. That voice.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, it's nowhere like you like you said. Steiger's performance and his his role is the much showier role. Poitier's role is much more. Um, his demeanor is more calm and reserved, and the the performance by him suits that. And I, I mean, you pick the perfect guy to do that too, because he's refined and and calm and and resolute in ev- in every situation. He never panics, even when he's being um, about to be attacked by like four hillbillies with with chains and, and clubs. Um, he still he's never panicked. He seems to, to be prepared for every moment that that comes his way
1: yeah and there's there's a pretty strong and and kind of um uncensored depiction of racism in this movie and it's uh it's it's a little jarring to watch even now honestly um Mm -hmm. it's uh but uh i I think that it is a um more than just a kind of crime whodunit kind of thing It, it really it's a movie that forces um the southern white mentality of that era especially to look at people of color in a different way and be forced to you know in this time where they're investigating this murder I mean specifically Steiger's character has to see a person of color in a totally different light and it's uh it's interesting to watch. Um I'm a little surprised that it was held to such high regard. I don't think it's a great movie. Um but I do love poitier in this movie.
0: Yeah it's it is really well edited um and the directing is very solid too but it is really well edited and the sound sounds really good and so i I noticed that it was nominated for both editing and sound as well um after i'd watched it and i was like well that makes sense because it's a very well crafted film you know and 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 you you kind of alluded to there being some shocking scenes for the time um throughout the film. There's there's kind of like a supposed corporate espionage sub subplot that's that's in there at a moment, kind of a kind of to distract you from from the real killer, you know? It's a little strange. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there's a scene in there in which a character slaps Sidney Poitier in the face, and he slaps immediately, him right back. Barely reacting, slaps him right back, and he says, "Boy, there's a." T- there's, there was a time where I could have you shot for that um, and I mean it took my breath away the first slap and the second slap well then and, when he asks
1: um, Steiger's character he said what are you going to do about that and he, he just... said did you
0: see that and he's like I
1: did yeah. he said what are you going to do about it I don't know <laughs> I, can't, I
0: can't say <laughs> yeah um, that that scene kind of kind of t- t- uh, I can only imagine how that played in 1967 with audiences mm-hmm. seeing that mm-hmm. that particular scene you know and, and there's A there's a a house like servant who appears to be a slave, I don't know. Um, that is that is in the scene, and and the way he reacts to Poitiers smacking him as if that was a shameful thing and he couldn't believe he could do it. And when he walked out of the room, he was shaking his head, just like, I, you know, I can't believe that that guy did that, master. I can't believe you know what I mean. Like, it was,
1: um, that scene was particularly jarring. It's a, um, i can see why it's considered a, a classic um i i appreciated quite a bit of it although i'm just not on board with the greatness overall of the movie um i think Poitier's great in it
0: so you definitely think that the graduate was robbed this year for <laughs> best picture
1: i don't know i can't say i think that our coincidental next throwback might tell me a little more
0: <laughs> i think so too um we should let people know what that is, but let's do a little housekeeping first, you know, just cause that's the way I have it written. So that's our show for today. Remember to subscribe to the Film Harmonic on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and a generous rating if you're so inclined. Subscribe also on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever else you happen to get your podcasts. Send us your suggestions for the Throwback Challenge to thefilmharmonic@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We will be back next week with the new Netflix release, Extraction, starring Chris Hemsworth and David Harbour.
1: It sounds exciting, right? I, I know you're so excited I am for it. Pumped. It's got.
0: I'm I mean, it's got action in the title.
1: It's going to be amazing. I guarantee it. David Harbour, fresh off his performance as Hellboy. And in our Pick Six segment, we are celebrating our birthday. We have the same birthday, in case you weren't aware. And that is going to be the day we record next week. We are ranking the six best films from the year we were born. So for Noah, that is 1982, and for me it will be 1984.
0: That's going to be so much fun. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember whose idea it was. I think we arrived at it at the same time, um, but it's what a fun idea, right? I, I I can't wait to watch some of your year's movies too that I haven't seen before and I have a lot of catching up to do on my year. I've never seen the verdict che- that's probably number one on the list of of 1982 movies I haven't seen. What's the number one that you think you absolutely have to see that you haven't seen before in
1: 1984 1984 ooh man I, I don't know if it's a first t- I don't know if I'd need to watch something for the first time, but I definitely need to rewatch amadeus haven't seen it in a very long time um i think one from your year that i've been dying to see for years and have never seen it is the year of living dangerously the peter weir movie with mel gibson Mm. um but yeah i don't know i mean i'm pretty excited to rewatch ghostbusters as always haven't seen it in a a year or so Um, yeah
0: see that and and that for me is et i'm excited to rewatch et oh
1: yeah that'll be really fun yeah i like this idea for sure
0: yeah it's gonna be a blast and and, and in our our throwback film so we're bringing it all right back around we'll once again be utilizing the criterion channel for a film that neither of us has seen. And this time we're doing a back-to-back Sidney Poitier, 1967, uh, film. We're going to discuss, guess who's coming to dinner, which also, uh, co-stars Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. Um, so, uh, and I told you something off air earlier that guess who's coming to dinner was one of, uh, three films that year, um, that was nominated for Best Picture Best Director, and all four acting nominations. as well. Pretty insane. So um, so yeah, to answer the question from earlier is, is the graduate the film that got robbed f- at, for Best Picture that year? I don't know. Maybe it was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And
1: there's some Bonnie and Clyde head heads out there, too. Um, there sure are. So, yeah, this was such a coincidence because we originally were going to both do both of these because they're both leaving the Criterion Channel on, at the end of the month, and we wanted to cross off a couple Poitier movies from our list. It just so happens that they were both nominated in the same year. I did not even realize that until today.
0: Neither did I. Neither did I. You know what we forgot to do? what forgot to give our ratings for in the heat of the night oh
1: yeah 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 i'm at a three and a half on it same here
0: ring that bell will you
1: all right (laughs) ding ding ding
0: (laughs) all right uh well i i believe that that should be that's our show for today right i think that's it right clocking in in under an hour again huh this is gonna
1: this is gonna be real fun because i'm i'm gonna be in the kitchen next week too for a movie called guess who's coming to dinner
0: (laughs) It's kind of perfect, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Thank you, Poitier. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, on that note, we will see you next time on the Film Harmonic. Please don't live in fear. Stay. substitute.